turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Let me bring something to your attention here. Beginning in verse 1, Jesus is giving the disciples some parables about end time things. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil, and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a crying made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now some people have taken that passage of Scripture and used it to support the idea that only those that are living godly lives will make the rapture. But folks, that can't be what this is saying. Over and over again, Jesus used the example of God being a good father. He'd say things like, if we know how to be good to our children, how much more will God be good to his children? And we know that Paul fought great opposition to the simple gospel, which is to be received by faith, rather than doing works, keeping the law of Moses and so forth. So it wouldn't make sense for God to institute faith as being the only requirement or prerequisite to coming into the family of God as opposed to doing works and earning your way in, earning a spot in. And so when Jesus is talking and giving the disciples this parable, he's not talking to the church. This is a reference to Israel. How that some will accept salvation, but others will be called unawares. There is no earning of the place when it comes to the kingdom of God, any part of the kingdom of God, including salvation and including the rapture of the church. Now the Bible talks about the church being a great house where there are vessels of honor and there are vessels of less honor and the Bible uh, indicates to us that which we should desire and that which we should follow based on the knowledge that the coming of the Lord is nigh upon us to walk worthy of the Lord that we may be accounted worthy to escape. 
We know that Jesus said to his disciples, to those that followed him, in John chapter 8, there was a particular time when many of the Jews, talking about the, uh, the high priests and those that were a part of the priesthood, and the leaders of the Jews, religious leaders of the Jews, how that many of them believed on him. But then he said to those that believed on him, meaning believed that he was the Messiah, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus shows us the distinction between believers and disciples. And it has everything to do with the relationship that we have and the place that we hold, place of honor we hold concerning the word of God. This last week, it seemed that everywhere that I turned, I was finding articles and publications concerning people in Hollywood and their statements and things that they had spoken in interviews and so forth about God. Now, typically, I don't know if you do this or not, but typically I put Hollywood in the unsaved category. But some of the ones that I would put in that unsaved category were people that I got information through these interviews and publications and so forth. And I wasn't looking for this. I couldn't care less what Hollywood does. I wish they'd go back to making good movies. But everything seems to be based on an underlying point that they want to try to make. So when I saw some of the people saying in interviews about things that they prayed about or some expression of relationship with God, I had to be honest and to say that they weren't living the kind of life that I would expect for somebody that was saved. But folks, that's not my call. Most everybody in Hollywood is not living the kind of godly life that would suit me or that I might demand if I was God. And as a result, God really started dealing with my heart. Now, I'm not there with the politicians yet. But I'm definitely there with, with uh, Hollywood. And the reason that the Lord took me down this path is because I've always looked at the rapture as just, I, don't, I really don't know how to say this. I've been struggling for, it with, uh, for several days on how to say this. 
So let me just put it out like this. One of the things that I overlooked about the rapture was the great joy that it's going to bring to the people of God. There are going to be people that are going to be swept into the kingdom of God that we're going to scratch our heads and say, hey, God, did you make a mistake with this one? Because it's not a matter of works. It's not a matter of somebody proving to me or to you or anybody else that they've got a relationship with God and that Jesus was dealing with their hearts, speaking to their hearts, hearing and answering their prayers. Whereas I might not have done so because they weren't living lives that, that I would consider worthy of the precious blood of Jesus. But there's going to be such joy. Rapturous joy. On the part of the church. When Jesus does come and split the sky. And we get caught up in, into the air with him. Now there will come a different time further on during the tribulation period when we, after having been caught up into heaven, will stand before the Lord and answer for the things that we did or did not do in our lives. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But that's really more of a reward ceremony than anything else. That's not true of the unsaved, certainly. But it is true of the church. The things that we gave ourselves to, if they were eternal things, then they'll be tried by fire and we'll receive the reward appropriate for putting spiritual things and eternal things first. But those things that were temporal that we pursued will burn up in the fire like wood, hay, and stubble. There's going to be a lot of folks in heaven that are going to be just as much a part of the family of God as you and me. But have no eternal rewards because of the way they live their life here on the earth. But I can't get away from that joy. And when we stand before the Lord, and by that I don't mean the judgment seat of Christ, I just mean when we get to heaven. We're going to recognize the, Jesus the righteous. We're going to recognize God's holiness. And it will become so clear, crystal clear. The true meaning of our righteousness being in him.
I believe that the instant that we're caught up into heaven to meet Jesus in the air, that instant when our bodies are redeemed, in that one second or less than a second, in the twinkling of an eye, the shortest amount of time possible, anything and everything that we might have missed out here on, on the earth will be wiped from our memory and replaced with joy unspeakable and full of glory. When we see Jesus, there is nothing about this world that we will count as worthy of our attention ever again. Now let's look at some things that the Bible says about the rapture. Let's start first in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Physical death is not the end of existence. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Here's the Holy Ghost saying that we're going to know something that nobody else knows. We know for certain it's not the day or the hour of his return. But we will have a witness of some type that these days are upon us. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation 
by our Lord Jesus Christ. God didn't make us for the tribulation because the things that take place in the tribulation are an outpouring of God's wrath but yet his mercy is still in operation too. After the church is caught up to meet the Lord in the air, the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war begins. The Antichrist is revealed. The coalition army between Russia and Iran and the other mostly Islamic nations is destroyed in one 24-hour period. Then the Antichrist is revealed. Then war takes place on the earth that covers 25% of the population of the earth. People are afflicted and enter into their own destruction in massive numbers. I know that there's no real purpose, underlying purpose, in doing a lot of speculation about what's going to happen, how things are going to happen. But America particularly is going to be so affected by the rapture that it's going to take some period of time and I can't imagine that to be a short period of time for the country to recover to whatever degree they ever will. But you've got the Islamic nations of the world, most of whom join in with Russia to invade Israel, which are until these armies are destroyed, certainly much less affected by the rapture of the church. But God causes hail, fire, and brimstone to fall not only on the armies that are attacking Israel and destroying them, but to destroy, to bring destruction on these Islamic nations to leave only one-sixth, which is 17% of the population of those countries alive. I think this has a lot to do with the Antichrist rising to power. we would surmise perhaps that since the Bible tells us that he does not come from one of the Islamic nations 
than in a church depleted population. He is able, therefore, to come to power, not through some election, not through some consensus, but he simply takes a position of authority in a world that's been devastated by not only the rapture of the church, but also the defeat of those Islamic nations, coalition armies of Russia. Folks, it would be inconceivable if we are where we believe we are on God's timeline. It would be inconceivable not to acknowledge that the Antichrist is alive on the earth today. I think to whatever degree we have access to the things that are taking place in the earth during the tribulation time, even though we're in heaven, I think we're going to be real surprised at who the Antichrist is. Because it's not going to be somebody that stands out as a leader. It's going to be some kind of idiot that simply takes a place in a world that's been turned upside down by the departing of the church. Let's read some more here. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. This is clearly talking about the rapture of the church. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So he's talking about the rapture of the church and the appearance of the Antichrist following that departure. This word falling away is a word that has double meaning. It can mean falling away from sound doctrine, as in apostasy. Or it can mean falling away or catching away, as in rapture. Now we've said this before, but I think it bears repetition. Paul could have, by the Holy Ghost, used a different word that would mean only one of these two things rather than both. And since he was certainly aware that there were other words available to him, instead he followed the leading of the Holy Ghost and gave us a word with a double meaning. 
I believe it's going to be both. Not only the falling away from sound doctrine or apostasy, but also catching away, meaning the rapture. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now we know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. This word withhold is the word hinder. Paul is saying there's something that's stopping him from rising up. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth, here's the same word translated withholds or hinders. Only he who now hinders will, will hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Here where it talks about the hindering force being taken out of the way. That hindering force is not the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit continues to work during the tribulation time. One of the first things that takes place after the Russian coalition army is defeated is that God sends out 144,000 Jewish evangelists for the express purpose of getting people saved. Now the Bible says, Jesus told us, that no man can come unto him except the Father draw him. Now that drawing is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. So if anybody gets saved during the tribulation, the Holy Spirit still has to be here in operation. So he's not the one that's being taken away or taken out of the way. That hindering force that is taken away is the church. Because folks, don't ever get away from the principle, the foundation principle that God reveals to us in creation that man was created to have authority on the earth. And the power of the authority that we've been given as disjointed as the church is as impotent as much of the church is, Satan can't move in his finest hour, in his greatest manner, as long as the church is here. Because we have authority, not him. God said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the works of our hands. Folks, the one thing that I want to encourage you with or in concerning these last of the last days 
is to meditate on and to exercise your authority as a child of God. The only reason he's left us here is to utilize our authority to bring more people into the kingdom of God. Apart from that, we're simply just playing a waiting game. And in one sense, we are playing a waiting game. But it's our move. It's our move to use and exercise the authority that we've been given to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to occupy till he comes, and to bring people into the kingdom of God. With the way things are going, with Iran openly admitting to their pursuit of nuclear weapons, openly declaring that when they have nuclear weapons, the first thing they're going to do with them is attack Israel. They've identified their stated purpose as a nation is to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the diplomatic corps that think that's just foolish and reckless speech. But Israel will not think that. There have been things that have been less publicized, but still widely known, where Israel has taken preemptive sabotage uh, actions to slow Iran down in their quest for nuclear weapons. But nobody really knows how close Iran is to having them. They could be weeks, if not months, and certainly not years. from putting Israel in a position to where it absolutely has to take a preemptive strike. Now imagine if these things are working together at the same time. You've got the American military that's more concerned with becoming woke than fighting in wars. We have a president that nobody on the face of the earth would think that he would ever enter into military action. We have an administration that has isolated Israel more so than any other president or any other administration in the history of the country. America used to be the one nation that Israel could count on. We're not that nation anymore. 
So if Israel has to take a preemptive strike against Iran, they know they're going it alone. But they know that if they don't do something, then Iran will make good on its threat and its desire to remove Israel from the face of the earth. So let's say, just to imagine, Israel takes a preemptive strike or issues a preemptive strike against Iran and their nuclear capability. And then just a short period of time after that, the church is raptured. Russia certainly will not be as affected, greatly affected by the rapture of the church as America is. China will not be as affected as America will be. And that sets the stage for Russia to gather this coalition army and begin moving to the northern boundary or border of Israel to attack. These things could happen and start falling like dominoes. Folks, these are exciting times. Perilous times. But exciting times. And remember Jesus said to keep your eye on Israel and the other nations of the world as a way to identify where we are on God's timeline. I can't get away from that little vision and picture I got from the Lord this last week of the joy of the rapture. What do we say to these things? Well, I think we should say what Paul said. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That you may be counted worthy to escape. That word escape is the word vanish. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, that we may be counted worthy to vanish. It's talking about the rapture. Exciting times. Exciting times. Times of being led by the Spirit. Times of being used by the power of God. Exciting times. Not times of fear. 
but times of great confidence through our trust in him. Signs of the times where miracles are manifest and multitudes run to the family of God. Exciting times when the church stands up to do the works of the Lord to manifest the presence of Jesus himself in this earth. Exciting times by the hand of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Father, for what you've deposited in us. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for choosing this time for us to live. We see the world disintegrating before our eyes. We see the work of the devil bringing destruction to our nation and to the other nations of the earth. But we will not fear for you are with us. We will not be dismayed for you are our God. You strengthen us. You help us. You uphold us with the right hand of your righteousness. And in your righteousness we are established. Terror shall not come near us. For we do not fear. And adversity shall be far from us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment, we do condemn. This is our heritage as children of God. And our righteousness is of you. Thank you, Father, for ordering our steps. For directing us. By the precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Exciting times, folks. Exciting times. Say it with me. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever, and Jesus is coming soon. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a great day.